Hi, and welcome to the SIF podcast, where we discuss advice and solutions for the modern therapist, whilst trying to help the public find the right treatment and advice for themselves. I'm your host, Mike James. Welcome to episode 11, and I'm honoured to be joined by SIF member and friend, Matt Scarsbrook. Hi, Mike. Hi Matt, you okay? I'm all right, thank you. Surviving? Yeah, now we've we've developed our personal relationship over the last year or so, and we just seem to cross paths more and more and more and more all the time. So um, rather than accidental uh, bumps bumps in in the night where we 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 bump into each other, we thought we'd just record it, have a proper chat, and get an episode put together. Yes, that's a very polite way of saying I'm like a bad smell. <clears throat> no, 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 you're definitely not one of them. You're a proactive member of the community. That's what you are. <laughs> so I think a lot of people are starting to know about you and your business. You are definitely a rising star in the industry. Your stock is rising all the time, which we will chat about later um, regarding the latest highlight reel um, for your career. But for those who may not know as much about you as some, tell everyone a bit about your background, what you do now, and, and what's led you up to, to your career at present. Um, so so I'm, a, I'm a scientist at heart um, and uh, a fully-fledged geek and proud of it. Um, so uh, I started off, I suppose, my career originally started uh, university. I studied natural sciences. Um, which is a, a broad range of uh, science topics, but um, I kind of majored, if I can get away with the American term, uh, in genetics and pharmacology um, before um, moving into the corporate world uh, where I uh, worked for a company. I started off uh, in the labs developing products um, with nothing to do with what I studied, um, classic uh, student, um, graduate, and then from there, I moved into a more commercial sales role. So I was involved in going out to customers, uh, working with key clients to optimize uh, industrial processes primarily. So again, quite a, quite a, a fair, fair leap from what I'd studied. Um, but I got to deal with people face to face on a daily basis um, and learned a hell of a lot there actually about how to deal with customers. Um, before finally moving into a, uh, a more head office-based business development role. Um, unfortunately, um, as a result of, of various factors, I, I ended up um, suffering from some quite uh, serious mental health issues, um, which were compounded, unfortunately, by the, the loss of my first son. Um, and so I ended up um, suicidal uh, and and leaving leaving work entirely uh, and spending quite a bit of time uh, trying to work out what to do with myself um, and, and and how to move forward um, and I'd always joked that uh, when particularly when things were getting tough that um, my wife who is actually a, an NHS physio um, would always uh, really wind me up because she kept coming home, home from work happy um, and this idea that she could go and enjoy her job was, um, was really starting to grate. Uh, and I decided there must be something in this uh, helping people lark. Uh, so I uh, started to have a look round at what I could do. And whilst not being quite sure which way I wanted to jump and not having a spare 
sort of 30k in the back pocket um, to, to run off back to university, um, I came across the massage training school, uh, also known as the, the school, um, who is run by uh, a lady called uh, Anna Maria uh, and is part of the ISRM group of schools that teach um, a BTEC level five soft tissue therapy diploma. Um, a couple of conversations with Anna Maria on the phone, who is one of the most bouncy and enthusiastic people I've ever met in any industry um, when it comes to uh, talking about her, her subject, uh, convinced me that um, it was definitely worth, worth a go. And so I started um, with the school in Bristol um, and, and underwent their sort of 12 month diploma course. Um, and then never left. Um, so uh, I, I stayed on afterwards whilst starting to do some of my own private practice. I stayed on afterwards uh, initially to help Anna Maria with some admin work. Um, and that's sort of culminated now from that perspective where I am working as uh, one of the tutors for the school. Um, I helped develop some of the CPD uh, and a lot of the um, events that we can take students to in order for them to practice. Um, and I've started dipping my toe in the water of, of working uh, a little bit closer with the, um, with the ISRM as well. Um, from a private practice perspective, I've got my own practice therapy evolved. Um, and I also work um, uh, with a physio clinic in Bristol uh, called Bristol Physio. Um, so, uh, and there I sort of specialise, I, I guess, in, in uh, endurance athletes, which is one of the, the overlaps, obviously, that, uh, that you and I have. Um, but also, uh, I have a strong bias towards uh, sort of the, the, the interactions, I suppose, between mental and physical health. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for, thanks for being so honest and candid with your story. Um, I think anyone who's met Anna knows that she's the epitome of that passionate Italian um, <laughs> and the way she speaks about the industry at large is definitely engaging and, and I'm pretty certain I've never come off a call or, or a conversation with her without a smile on my face. Um, also has to be noted that I've probably spent best part of a decade or so now traveling around teaching and hands down the best lunch I've ever had on a course was teaching at the school. <laughs> it was, it was, I've been to weddings with worse spreads than that. It was just something else. It was the, the, the second half of the day teaching was one of the toughest gigs I've ever had to do after, after that lunch. <laughs> yeah, we look after our guest lecturers. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And certainly we'll, we'll mention the school later on, but I think I've come across very few places that run such a professional, well-intentioned um, outfit that, that put their students and their members at the heart of everything it's a fantastic setup that you guys have got going on down there it is it is is really really good i feel you know if i when i look back <clears throat> um obviously a lot of life there's there's elements of luck involved and and i think you know choosing to study there initially when you know quite frankly i i would have maybe struggled to determine between one uh, qualification or another early on um i feel very lucky to have, have studied there and 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 being able to hang on as well yeah and and then you know my my story runs in such parallels to yourself i used to get 10 to 15 emails a week asking me if i wanted to write a blog for someone or other and after a while most of them just got binned they just got deleted i didn't even reply to most of them 
And I still, to this day, cannot tell you why three years or so ago, when this name popped up in my inbox from Malcolm Sloan, I suddenly decided, oh, go on, then I'll write you a blog. There was, there was nothing from that email that, that should have separated it from any other one that I declined in the last few months. But fate sometimes just aligns the stars and you do, you, you just make a decision and you, it turns out to be the best decision you've ever made. And, and certainly that's the case. And, and I think the way your, your career and relationship with the school has evolved does really, and I think it's why I'm so drawn to you as well. It really reflects my journey with SIF. It has really been a series of what started out as a bit of luck and a bit of fate, but has evolved now into that thing of almost making your own luck. Yeah, I, I was thinking exactly that. It's quite cliche, isn't it? That that um, that phrase, but I, I. I I believe it if that's the right word to use. Um, I think you do make your own luck and I think that's partly because you put yourself out there. Um, and I think it's partly because you work for it in the background. You know, I, I, I don't have, um, you know, ill feelings towards people who are performing at the top of their game and, and getting a lot of credit for it because, you know, nine times out of 10, they've, they've put the, the, the graft in much, much earlier on and we just don't, don't get to see that. It's the same with all athletes, isn't it? You know, all you see is the gold medal. You don't see the four years of uh, heartache. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and, you know, my, my um, sporting heroes, my icons that I've always looked up to, they are the, unashamedly the best in the business. They're the Phil Taylors, they're the Michael Jordans. They, they are and were the Lance Armstrongs of the world. They're the people who, whatever you can blame in certain aspects of their life, they were ruthless with their professionalism and their dedication and, and their drive to, to succeed. Um, and I tell you, I, I'm sure you've probably felt the same, but something that I always find an interesting part of that journey is how your thinking has to evolve, which is, which is really pertinent to the name of your business. But <laughs> I, you... Whether you fall in through luck or fate, like we said, and then you make your own luck or your fate, then how you interact and develop those relationships and your thinking in those relationships really is fundamental to progressing it more. You have to become a different person. Yeah, no, you, you absolutely do. You have to... I suppose there's, there's elements of your personality that, that sort of stay there always in the background. They're the kind of the underpinning, the, the philosophy of you, as it were, in the background. Um, but to, to be able to, to move forward, you have to be able to interact with people well. Um, I think that's the same as in business or, or even if you just, you know, particularly when you're working with clients, you, you have to be able to adapt to, to what they're looking for. That doesn't mean compromising who you are, but that also does mean being open to take on board uh, different views, different approaches. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something I, I enjoy doing. And, and, and as much as <clears throat> certainly being in field sales as, a, as part of my career was tough, like, like really tough, um, I, I, I even had to work in South Wales. I mean, that was just unbelievable. Um, but uh, in terms of the, the type of interactions you have with people and the type of uh, learning you get about how to communicate, needs analysis, all this kind of really good stuff, um, that carries so much over into what I'm doing now and, and how I interact and evolve 
my interactions with people um you know it's 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 very much uh, an important part and you know you you pointed out that it it is part of the the the, the name of my my business and um fundamentally that was intentional <clears throat> this idea that actually um i can provide a form of therapy but but that form of therapy as perhaps may have once been recognized has to evolve it is evolving um you know we, we don't stand still in terms of our scientific endeavors um so why should the delivery of our treatment yeah absolutely well i think first off it's great to see that you're not suffering any long-term effects of your visits to south wales you're looking well you're looking healthy <laughs> so, so it's a lucky escape for you there absolutely um, i think massive spoiler alert the hardest bit of me when I do these podcasts is trying to think of a title afterwards, but this one's just been nailed. This is going to be the philosophy of you. That is a great sentence. <laughs> so, the recent podcasts have, have always covered a theme where we've tipped our hats to coronavirus, COVID-19, and then the effect on how it's been for the industry and those people's businesses at large. So, so how, how has it affected you on a day-to-day -day basis and on a, on a wider scale? Um, so in terms of my, uh, clinic, um, therapy evolved, um, I actually ended up closing my doors a few days before, uh, the government announcements because, um, my eldest, uh, developed a fever. Um, and as with all young children, it, it didn't really develop into anything, but of course that's not the point. He had a fever. Um, and so it was like, right, that's it. We closed down. Uh, my clinic is based at home. So, um, there was, there was no way that I was comfortable of separating out the two. And obviously that has a bit of a knock on effect to my considerations for reopening again, but you know, we can come to that. Um, in terms of, uh, my work in, uh, with Bristol physio again, because I was in the household with my little one. Um, I immediately stopped working there um, for my sort of two week quarantine. And, and by the time I was kind of out of that two week period, um, Bristol Physio had, had also shut down in line with uh, a lot of others. Now, uh, I know they, they found it, um, as, I'm, as, as I know from all the conversations a lot of physio clinics have, is that there's this sort of moral question more than a legal question over over being open or closed but they they chose to close and um and, and they've been running uh, online consultation since um as have i um either for themselves or or for me so you know from a from a small business perspective yeah the income's been the 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 income the impact on things like income has been massive um i uh, ironically fall down the the cracks between not having been employed self-employed long enough to really count for any uh significant uh help um but also because i work from home i don't have uh rates etc so universal credit is the way to go um and uh you know that's propping us up at the moment that's great my wife's on maternity leave um but she has been going back in and uh helping out uh in the hospital um both because she she wants to, obviously wants to go and help um uh, and also uh because it, it does help a little bit with the income um and obviously that then has this sort of slight knock-on effect that all the work that i'm trying to do uh for the business and and things at home um is is being balanced with a form of daddy daycare that uh, i haven't necessarily had to balance with before so that's been that's definitely been an interesting challenge um 
in terms of the massage community as a whole, I'm really pleased to see that, that, that everyone did, you know, shut down and, um, and, and has taken it very seriously. I know that there, there's always going to be consternation and questions between, you know, around, oh, so-and-so is planning on opening now and they're doing this and should I have the XPPE? And, you know, I think, you know, yourself, even uh, one of your posts recently, uh, I think it was in the, the CIF group. Uh, it was talking about this, this sort of element of self of, of, of comparing oneself to others uh, and, and how particularly in a time of lockdown, particularly in this time when people's health is at risk through decisions we may or may not make, it's really easy to get dragged into a, he said, she said, or she's doing, he's doing kind of, kind of mode. And, and that is, not necessarily helpful um my personal opinion is yes we could definitely do with a lot more clear guidance on what is expected and what is happening and on on the lack of that it does then come down to a, an individual decision and I, I i don't think it's constructive to alienate people based on their on their decisions doesn't mean i don't agree or disagree with them um, uh, it, it's just i suppose the sort of the rational approach is people have to be able to make their own choices and we'll learn from each other as we go through for better or worse. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really pleased as well. And this is a slight reflection, I suppose, on what I regard as my area of the industry. And I, I say that because as a soft tissue therapist, I fit more within the holistic side than under sort of an HC um, PC type side of the industry if you will um you know we, we are in effect unregulated other than voluntary regulation um i'm actually really pleased to see the the industry bodies working together to try and come up with a a consistent message um which i think is absolutely crucial um you know this this idea that we could all be singing off different hymn sheets is just ludicrous uh, when we're all actually trying to achieve the same thing. Yeah, um, we, um, <clears throat> we tipped our hat really early doors in the lockdown at SIF that potentially the hardest sector of, of the industry would be the soft tissue and the massage therapist to make the transition online. It was almost a bigger leap but a bigger sell to the public to understand that they could benefit from this stuff. Yeah. What's your thoughts yeah. on that and how, um, how much have you seen people have success with that, both from the public and from the therapist side? So, so this one's a really, really interesting one. And I can, I, could, I can go off in loads of different directions here. But so from a personal perspective, um, it has been slow to get started. Um, but I am now starting to see uh, more clients uh, and new, new clients get in touch. Um, I think initially because with so much uncertainty about how long we would be locked down um, and also frankly the, the chaos caused for families um, during during the changes in the lockdown um, you know face-to-face uh, -face appointments were probably the last thing on anyone's mind uh, and if they had any grumbles then it was probably oh, it'll be fine in a couple of weeks I'll seek some help in a couple of weeks let's just get through this this madness now where the kids are at home and suddenly I'm working three jobs and oh and by the way I'm now a teacher and all this kind of stuff as a routine has sort of developed i think within people's lives it has given them a bit more time and space and i thought think they they had they, they considered they had initially not in every case by all means you know we've got 
we've got students who are working really hard at the moment to make sure that they're staying um, up to speed with with our teaching but they are being honest in saying you know they're having to juggle being full-time teacher and parent and supporting the fact that actually they're still regarded as a key worker so they're trying to trying to juggle that as well um, so as things have got a little bit easier people have been reaching out and finding the online space quite helpful particularly when it comes to taking people through the the minor and the chronic kind of aches and pains um, yeah. which is obviously kind of as a soft tissue therapist where, where we specialize and being able to provide guidance on rehab and, and things that people can do to help themselves uh, in this time is, has actually been really empowering, I think, uh, both, both as a therapist and as an individual. Um, makes you think really hard about being creative with the kind of exercises you want to give someone um, and, and how they might be able to achieve that, um, particularly when, when we know that you can't buy dumbbells or kettlebells for love and the money, for example. Um, but I think it's also quite empowering to the individual that they, they don't necessarily need to see someone face to face to be able to help themselves. It does definitely play better into the education side of things, which, which I'm, I'm really, really intrigued on. Now, what I don't have personal experience in, but having looked through some of the sort of the massage related forums is I can totally see how therapists who have a modality that is less focused on I'm going to say evidence-based rehab so exercise-based rehab and more focused on um, the, the hands-on modalities that is obviously quite tricky to try and move on into the online space and and where people have been successful in that is where they have been given guide giving guidance out on self-massage for example I think there's probably a question somewhere down that line then as to the balance between having a practitioner provide you that manual therapy and being able to do it yourself. Obviously there are certain limitations. There's only so many places you can reach yourself with a massage stick or a foam roller, but you get imaginative, I suppose. Um, but in terms of, in, in terms of, uh, does that start to raise questions around things like efficacy of manual therapy and all that kind of stuff? I think that has the potential to raise some interesting questions. Um, and it might, in that respect, scare some practitioners into thinking, well, actually, if I go online and I provide this advice, advice online, what is the chance that they won't come back because they've suddenly discovered that, that actually they don't need me in, in, in some case? And, and whilst that's quite a, perhaps quite a cynical approach, I think it has to be one that's recognised. You know, we, we do these things because we're trying to earn a living as well. Um, so I think that's probably impacted some people's view on the, the, the online space. But me personally, I think it's going to absolutely stay. It's going to be a fantastic addition to the work that I do with people. Um, there are absolutely going to be cases where I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to be in front of someone. I'm going to want to be able to do a proper assessment or um, I believe that there is a benefit with spending some face-to-face -face time with someone. Um, equally, um, the fact that I could save them travel time and uh, you know a bunch of appointment time by by contacting them as a follow-up online, checking in, making sure they're still happy with the plan, things are going well, 
and keeping it to 15 minutes, half an hour, that, that I, I think will be a really useful adjunct. So. Yeah, great points. Now it's that balanced depth of reason thinking that you've just explained is exactly the thing that has got this spotlight shining on you recently. You're, you've, you're a rising star of the industry and people are taking notice of the things you do and say. And that has nicely led up to something that you've got on the calendar for next month, which is a pretty exciting thing for us to have a SIF member there, but certainly for you, and that's you headlining and being front and centre of Therapy Live. How are you thinking? How are you feeling? And how are you thinking about that? Huh. Um, well, once I'd slightly recovered from the shock, um, and and you know, I, it was. <sighs> Trying to trying to find the right words. I'm I'm treating it as an incredible honour. Um, it's it's not something I was expecting at all. Um, when Jack uh, reached out to me, um, I'll be honest. Uh, after after replying, the first thing I did was send a screenshot of uh, Jack's message uh, to Anna Maria, um, going, "Oh my God!" Uh, <laughs> at which point she called me all sorts of rude names for uh, and uh, which generally meant you lucky bugger, um, if I can get away with saying that. Um, but uh no it's 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 fantastic um i'm really looking forward to it um i'm hoping i can and strike a nice balance in terms of the messaging um where i've so funny enough i've reached out to some of the the massage forums who might not be familiar with physio matters who might not be familiar with with the work of the more evidence-based msk um community uh, and said look hey there's there's this thing going on um i think it's really worth your time it might come across as in inverted commas physio-y um but i can assure you that that massage is going to be discussed because that's what I will be discussing. Um, and, you know, although the type of the talk is still slightly in flux, it, it, it's sitting somewhere between, you know, the role of massage in rehab uh, uh, and, you know, is it time to rehab massage? Um, has, it, has it been given a bit of a bad rep? And, and I must admit, initially I sort of looked at that and I kind of looked at the list of other speakers and, and the fact that we're, we're a super evidence-based community and I went, well, that's the booby prize, isn't it? That kind of title of a talk. Um, where actually I'm, I'm, I'm taking it on as, a, as actually a really exciting opportunity to, to, to give my perspective, which I believe sort of slips in nicely between the, the polarised camps, I suppose, of individuals who swear that mass, uh, manual therapy cures all ills and, and those who swear that manual therapy has no place in, a, in an evidence-based uh, setting. Um, and so I'm hoping to put a little bit of a... Uh, a slightly different perspective on it um, within the, the biopsychosocial model. Um, you know, uh, a question along the lines of a question that I posed last year at my, uh, Matt Phillips um, Run Chat Live, you know, and I, I, I put forward asking about whether manual therapy really sits within the biological, biomechanical area of our BPS model, or perhaps it could be considered to sit elsewhere. Um, and, and that's sort of, yeah, fundamentally where I'm going with, with that and, and, and how that for me helps justify its place, but that it is, that it has a place. It is an adjunct. It is part of an overall treatment plan. For me, it is not 
the treatment. Yeah, fantastic. Which so I must those admit, who, um, Sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. I was, I was going to say, I'm, uh, it sort of it harks back to <clears throat> early conversations I ended up with Anna, having with Anna Maria, which was along the lines of, you know, I, I come from a very evidence-based background. You know, I'm a, I am a scientist. I, I spent my university years in labs looking at the genetics of fruit flies, um, which was hilariously uninteresting in the end. But um, I then go and study something like massage, uh, which... You know, certainly from a general public perspective, it's been around for thousands of years, so it, it works, right? And then actually to come out with a an impression that actually we don't know if it works. And if it does work, we don't know how it works. Um, that the evidence base doesn't support the, the kind of almost elevation, I suppose, that it's been given. But that, that's not to say, you know, the, the, the lack of evidence to me is not evidence of lack. Um, it, to me, begs the question, when we're doing the research, are we asking the right questions in research? You know, I, I make the point that to do research requires that you have a hypothesis and that hypothesis can be tested. In order to test a hypothesis, it's got to be fairly narrow in its scope. Um, which means that if you don't quite ask it right, you, you could miss the point. That's why we do lots of research to try and cover as many of these as possible. And I do wonder if where manual therapy and its role in pain and rehab and performance comes in, perhaps hasn't had the right questions asked. And where in fact maybe focused too much on its biomechanical area, that all right, fairly happy it doesn't do a right lot in. But what about the other areas of our BPS model and where, where's the research supporting that? And, and I don't think there is a lot of research out there particularly supporting that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that age old um, absence of evidence is an evidence of absence, as you, yeah. as you alluded to. Um, so for those who may have missed it or may not be aware of it, on Friday the 26th of June, SIF Ambassador Jack Chu of Chu's Health and the Physiomatics Podcast has organised what's likely to be the greatest online MSK conference of all time. Nearly 100 speakers from across, across the board um, will be discussing in a range of, of um, areas, different sort of uh, symposiums, upper limb, lower limb, spine, exercise, rehab, pain science. And um, whatever you say, Matt, you, are, you thoroughly deserve to be on that list of speakers and, and I'm sure you're going to shine. It's free. It's a free conference, guys. It's a free online summit. Visit therapy-live.co.uk to register. Um, I I cannot think of a better thing you could be doing to spend that Friday. Um, there's there's a few SIF members involved, which is fantastic, but the wider um, it, it really is a who's who of of the current sort of big names and and top leaders in the industry right now. Um, Something I've always been interested with you, Matt, being a, being a thinker that you are, when you get your students um, at the school, or then they've graduated and they come back for, for other things, what's your sort of top tips for, for those as they move forward with their career? <laughs> um, ah, 
So, so there's a couple of um, resources that uh, I often point students towards relatively early on um, in in their in their study because I think it's important to um, you know, to start how how you mean to go on. And and one of the things I love about uh, Anna Maria and the philosophy, if you will, of the school is its um is its inclusion and honesty around the evidence base um you know it's one of the reasons why i feel so fortunate as to ended up at that school uh, as opposed to perhaps studying something different um and because of that that philosophy we obviously want to introduce people to it quite early on um and it can come as a bit of a shock <clears throat> and so one of my my sort of general pieces of of advice to begin with is Try not to get put off by the cynicism. Um, you know, there's, there is an awful lot we don't understand. There's an awful lot that we um, have perhaps been misled by in the past, but that should be seen as an opportunity to be better as opposed to be put off by it and suddenly go into a bit of a tailspin and, uh, and, and think, oh God, what have I signed up to? Um, because there are resources out there that are incredibly useful. They are so powerful for having brought these things together, but they can come across as quite cynical. And I think, um, I think that can be off-putting. So that's, that's kind of, for, I suppose, for, for students who are starting on their journey. Um, and, you know, for anyone who's, who's qualified, I, I, because I'm at, at my happiest researching something or learning something new, I drive my wife potty. Um, I, I struggle to understand perhaps why someone might not want to go off and spend all of their earnings on CPD, um, which <clears throat> I've been reliably informed is not a good business model, but I still enjoy doing it. Um, but it, it's to, to remain open-minded, you know, remain understanding that we don't know actually it's very rare that we can be absolute in our understanding or in our answers or even in the guidance we give our clients um and to almost shut off because you're feeling challenged by some new information i would i would try and encourage them to recognize when they're feeling challenged question why they're feeling challenged and and try and learn from that, um, which is very quite quite broad and wishy washy. But it's it's basically yeah, recognise yeah. when you feel challenged and ask why. Yeah, and it's okay to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's that's the nature of of the world we live in right now. Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, uh, don't get me wrong. It's really easy to say it and really hard to to deal with it. Um, uh, you know, again, being honest, this last couple of weeks. Um, probably for the first four or five weeks, uh, I actually did surprisingly well. And when I say surprisingly well, I mean, because I, I do struggle with, um, uh, ongoing, um, depressive anxiety for which I, I receive sort of treatment and, and I'm on medication for, and I, you know, in a sense, I held together quite well. The fact that, um, my world as I knew it had ended and I couldn't see the way I was going to uh, come out of it which is obviously a lot of people's initial ideas and, and, and also, you know, this sudden idea that, Oh my God, I've got all this time when I should be totally doing my business and I should be becoming some sort of, 
leader in something because I've got all this time, I should do all my qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, um, you know, I've had probably three episodes in the last couple of weeks of, of just total meltdown of days where getting out of bed was an achievement, which in one case didn't even happen then. Um, you know, and, and I think it's important to, to recognize that, yes, we absolutely should strive to feel comfortable with being uncomfortable but as humans it's also totally okay to be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable <laughs> uh, and that actually a little bit of uh of 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 self-care is super super important um and uh more more now than ever i suspect yeah absolutely you know we, we know as therapists that we we are caregivers and we often um, put ourselves behind those people that we help and we see on a daily basis and we can only help people when we've helped ourselves a lot of the time. Yeah. There's a, there's an analogy that one of my, now where did I come across it? I can't remember if it was in a book that I was reading or a, or maybe it was with one of the counselors that I was working with a couple of years ago, but from wherever it is from, um, it's one of my favorite analogies, which is this, um, this analogy that you're on an aircraft and um, it's, developed a fault and as a result the oxygen masks drop down and of course on the boarding card that no one ever reads it specifically says fit your own mask before fitting anyone else's even your child or spouse or whoever and for me that analogy is you've got to help yourself before helping other people um, you are if you are not in a fit condition to help other people then actually what happens is there are now two of you in pro having problems and someone else now has even more of a burden to work with so yeah as a therapist looking after yourself weirdly kind of comes number one um, again another quote my mind is 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 really not playing with me this morning um, but uh, I'm sure it came from a podcast I was listening to, but someone asked, you know, to a, to a lecture theatre um, in, in, uh, in, in therapy, who is the most important person in the room? And of course, the answer is the client, because we're client centred. And actually, the lecturer turned around and said, no, it's the therapist. If as a therapist, you're not in a position to help that client, then what is the point? Yeah. Um, Great so. points furiously scribbling here we've now got an edit the, the title is now the philosophy of you and fitting your own mask you're just oh, pearls. You're, you're dropping pearls and bombs over here this is brilliant um i think so so for the listeners going back to some of the stuff you mentioned uh two things i'd like to add to it is one the next guest due to be on the podcast is anna maria um, and we will definitely expand on what Matt chatted about as far as the philosophy of the school. And then Malk is writing us a blog on something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is all about your learning journey and how you evolve as, as a person and a therapist. So two things to signpost you guys for, for future listenings and reads. Um, Matt, I'm, I'm super stoked to have had you on. As always, I could listen to you for hours and hours. Um, you're articulate, you're engaging, you're philosophical, but you're dynamic all at the same time. Um, if you ever need a, a lonely arts column written, let me know. I'll, I'll happily put something together <laughs> yeah, that's, for you. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to speak to you soon and definitely see you soon. Um, stay safe, stay well. Where can the listeners find out more about you, Therapy Evolved, and the school? 
Okay, so uh, the school, we're on www.thestschool.co.uk um, or they can get in contact with me uh, directly um, at matt at thestschool.co.uk um, and uh, I'd be more than happy to, to chat through what we do. We do uh, courses, as I say, up to the level five for anyone who um, either is entering it for the first to enter the industry for the first time or is starting at say a level three or a level four and wants to uh to, to move up in their their qualifications um and we also obviously do sort of conversions working alongside like physiotherapists etc who are perhaps looking to to work on maybe their manual skills or, or whatever it is um in terms of the business, uh, I would direct you to the website, but um, I'm also going to say that uh, I'm working at the moment on totally redoing that. Um, so hold fire on that. But eventually, uh, you'll be able to find me again at uh, therapy-evolved.co.uk, uh, where I should have um, a little bit more of the kind of stuff I like talking about um, and uh, a nod to uh, Physio Digital um, for helping me with that one. So, uh, yeah, eyes peeled. Yeah, they've definitely been doing great things with Jack for Therapy Live um, and, and are definitely getting people results. Absolutely, yeah. And then very kindly put me in contact with Andy Hosgood as well, um, who uh, is, is being an absolute star. So, um, yeah, another, another annoyingly likeable guy, isn't he, Andy? Oh, yeah, really, really, really irritating. I know, yeah, just fantastic. This, the, you know, the, the use of the whiteboard is just mind-blowing, actually, as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, and that's actually probably another top tip for any therapist. Don't try and do everything yourself. <laughs> you don't have to be an expert in everything, particularly when running your own business. Um, utilize experts. Um, yep. You know, we we say one of our fundamental messages always is therapists are trained to treat, not run a business. And you shouldn't be hard on yourself that you can't or you don't know if you're doing as well as you could do. And um, there's there's people there. If you had a clinical problem you would go and get someone else with more experience on that clinical issue to help you help that patient and, and your business should be seen in exactly the same way. Exactly. Cool. Matt, thank, thanks for so much for taking the time to join us and we will catch up soon. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, Mike. As always, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this or any other of our episodes, then please do like, share, subscribe and leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you use. You can find us across all social media platforms as Sports Injury Fix and also on our YouTube channel. Thanks to our sponsors, the fantastic therapistlearning.com, the high quality, easily accessible, curated learning platform for the modern MSK therapist. Stay safe, keep well, we'll be back soon. <laughs>